Hey everyone, I'm the NDNB, and welcome to the first episode of my podcast. In this episode, I'm going to talk a bit about who I am, why I wanted to start this podcast, and give a bit of background information about the things that I'll be talking about in the future of this podcast, namely ADHD and being non-binary. This podcast isn't just for people who are non-binary and or neurodivergent, though obviously all y'all are more than welcome here. This podcast is for anyone, whether you know someone in one of these categories, are questioning things yourself, just want to learn, or love the soothing sound of my voice. The NDNB is for everyone. So, to start off, my name. ND comes from the abbreviation ND, which means neurodivergent. I'm going to do a whole episode down the line about the neurodiversity movement and neurodivergence, but basically neurodivergence covers a whole bunch of disorders like dyslexia, autism, and what I have, ADHD. There isn't a noun form of ADHD the way you can say I am autistic or I am dyslexic. You can't say I am ADHD. I mean, you can, but it's not exactly grammatically correct. Plus, there's a whole lot of overlap between ADHD and autism, and I'm currently trying to figure out if I have both or just ADHD, so ND is a good catch-all there. Now, NB is the noun form of non-binary, NB, the way you'd say boy or girl. Again, you can say I am a man, I am a woman, but you can't say I am a non-binary, you have to add person and say I am a non-binary person. Now, not every non-binary person likes to be called an NB. Some people find it infantilizing, so just because I like the term and refer to myself as an NB, don't go calling every non-binary person you meet an NB. So, there's the name, the NDNB, the neurodivergent and non-binary person. If at this point you're thinking, wait, what's ADHD, what's non-binary, I'm already lost, I have a primer on my website that you might find helpful, because while I will be talking about my story, which might help you understand some, this isn't going to be a trans 101 class or anything. Alright, moving on. So, I have ADHDC, or ADHD combined type, which means that I express traits of both the hyperactive and impulsive form of ADHD, usually called ADHD-HI or ADHD-PH, primary hyperactive, and the inattentive form of ADHD, ADHD-I or ADHD-PI, we used to also call that one ADD. I was diagnosed just before my 21st birthday, following 8 years of treatment for persistent depressive disorder. Fun! Basically, I never got diagnosed earlier because I wasn't a hyperactive boy who disrupted class and refused to do schoolwork. I was an honors kid, an overachiever to the point of my own detriment, a teacher's pet, and I was assumed to be a girl. We'll get to that. Girls and boys have autism and ADHD at similar rates. They're just vastly underdiagnosed in non-men because of this whole cyclical thing of less women get diagnosed and less non-binary people get diagnosed, so then they think that there are more boys and men who have it, so then they continue to diagnose non-men less. It's a whole thing. Basically, based on the stereotypes and what most people think ADHD looks like, I was the polar opposite. I had some conversations with therapists over the years about the possibility of me having ADHD, but my mom and I always brushed it aside. Again, I was a straight-A honors student, no problems with test taking, etc. There was no way. Then I got to college. Still a good student, but now I was starting to struggle a bit more. Classes were a bit more difficult, I couldn't really figure out how to study since I'd never needed to in the past, but I was thriving socially, finally able to be myself. You see, as a kid and teen, I was that weird kid. I ate lunches alone, I was always picked last for groups and partners, etc. I was a lot. I was energetic and passionate, but I was also really awkward. 
I would say the wrong thing at the wrong time. I would struggle to not act on my impulses. Now this is starting to sound more like ADHD, right? As a kid, my ADHD manifested itself in my social life, not my academic life. But I thought it was like you see on TV, that weird kid underdog who does so much better after high school that the people at my high school just didn't understand me. And I guess on some level I was right there. If I wanted to be liked, I had to hide who I was, and that got exhausting, so I didn't. And I paid the price by not really having too many friends. This might sound familiar to anyone with autism, it's called masking, and I'm probably going to talk about masking in a future episode about the overlap and relationship between ADHD and autism spectrum disorder. But once I got to college, I found places where I didn't have to mask. The fact that I had the energy of a tour guide at an undergraduate university shouting about my school pride was fine, because now I was an undergraduate at a large university, where my passion and involvement would lead me to people like me. Though I never did become a tour guide. <laughs> Made friends, joined clubs, and thrived in my classes. Well, after I failed chemistry and switched majors. The idea of ADHD was there, and my mom and I had both done a little more research and had some more discussions. But we both agreed that since I was doing fine with my current therapy and antidepressants, and I didn't need accommodations, it didn't really matter if I actually had ADHD or not. Then I got to my junior year. Two major things happened there. The first was that my girlfriend broke up with me. Now, there's this little thing that lots of people with ADHD experience, but that has only been talked about more recently and openly, and it's still not something that people who don't have ADHD or don't know they have ADHD associated with, called rejection-sensitive dysphoria. Unrelated to gender dysphoria, RSD is an inability to handle real or perceived rejection well, no matter how badly I want to. And I could not stand losing my girlfriend. I was a mess. Now, my ADHD isn't the only thing that contributed to me taking the breakup so hard, but when you have an understimulated brain, it's going to have a tendency to latch onto any sort of stimulation, good or bad, and I think anyone who's been through a rough breakup could certainly say they're stimulating. Around this time, I came across a Facebook page called ADHD Alien. Breakup was September, ADHD Alien I discovered in October. Now, mindfulness meditation is great, and I have always felt like a failure at it. I cannot just push thoughts out of my head. I can't just accept and acknowledge them as they come and send them on their way like a boat on the ocean or something. I have too many thoughts. I remember finding out that other people are able to have moments where they don't have a constant train of thought, and I was just floored. My brain literally never shuts up. It's annoying. If you think I'm annoying, imagine never being able to turn me off. But anyway... This comic. It was four panels, and it showed a girl with alien antennae talking about how meditation frustrates her, but that video games have done more to relax her than meditation ever could. And something clicked. Yeah, we'd consider the possibility of ADHD, but some part of me still felt like there was no way. Even if I did, it didn't really matter, right? But this comic hit the nail on the head. Pina, the author of ADHD Alien, was using Animal Crossing to relax. Now, I am a huge video game nerd, and Animal Crossing is one of my favorite relaxing titles. New Horizons really helped get me through 2020. 
I started scrolling through Pino's page and, like any normal person, ended up reading every single one of her comics in one sitting and crying. I sent Pino's comics to my mom, my therapist, my friends, basically everyone who could tell me if they agreed I was just like the girl in the comics. And I was. At this point, it was a relief to know that there might be an answer to all my inner turmoil, my strong emotions, my forgetfulness, my impulsiveness, etc. And so I made an appointment with a psychiatrist right then and there. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> See, making someone who has memory problems and executive function issues have to make a doctor's appointment with a new doctor, which is already scary, when the person is in one of the most depressive states of their life, not really gonna go super well. It took me until March, remember we were in October at this point, it took me until March to actually get my diagnosis. I think I finally called in late January. Luckily, I was able to be seen fairly soon by a lovely Russian man, and when I made the appointment over the phone, his secretary told me that the appointment would need to be paid in cash, which, of course, I forgot. So I went from being nervous but excited about the process to sobbing and speeding to the nearest gas station ATM, frantically withdrawing money and hoping to get back in time to actually make the appointment because you can't rely on a person you're assessing for a memory disorder to remember things. Anyway, got the money, all was good, told the doc my epiphany and how past therapists thought I had ADHD too. He asked why I hadn't gotten diagnosed sooner, explained it all to him, and I will never forget his response as I was sitting here, spilling out my life story and twisting back and forth on his office chair. And no, I will not be attempting a Russian accent. He said, I could tell you had ADHD just from talking with you for five minutes. Which was both hilarious and incredibly validating. He sent me back out into the waiting room with some forms, all of which are available online, by the way. I'm going to try to find them to link on my website if I can find a legal version that won't get me in trouble for posting them. <laughs> um, but one was about ADHD symptoms impacting quality of life, and one was about severity of symptoms. Again, even with this knowledge that I very obviously had ADHD, I still didn't think it was that bad. I still thought I had to have pretty mild ADHD because of my bias towards my academic progress. I scored almost the maximum on both tests. Now, that's not to say that someone who scored lower couldn't also have severe ADHD. But when I saw these things that I thought were just totally normal parts of my life, like turbulent relationships or my impressive ability to lose things, I realized how much happier it could be. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole is ADHD a superpower argument right now. There are good aspects, sure, but being neurodivergent in a neurotypical world is really difficult. And for me, it's difficult in general. But that's okay. I'm not ashamed of it, obviously. I'm doing a podcast on it. So, with the prescription for Vyvanse in my hand and as many questions as I had answers, I left and sobbed some more in my car. But this time I was overjoyed that I had a path to actually start to feel better on. This was at the beginning of March 2020. You may recall, some other major things also happened in March 2020. So I had plenty of time to reflect on myself and my shiny new diagnosis. 
Disclaimer, a doctor's diagnosis is not the be-all and end-all. Doctors can get it wrong, and diagnoses can be inaccessible. And I'll be talking about that in a future episode. So, I've got ADHD. Now for the gender part. I'm non-binary, a realization with a much less interesting story than my ADHD, so this part is going to be shorter. Basically, I've known I was bisexual since I was in middle school, shout out to my bi's, and I started going to an LGBTQ youth group in high school. That was my first exposure to non-binary people, and it was not the light bulb moment I had with ADHD alien. It was more like four years of, am I? No, I can't be. But what if? It felt more like whack-a-mole. I always had an excuse. I was a feminist, I still am. I loved makeup and dresses, I still do. I didn't have dysphoria, or so I thought until I learned about gender euphoria and different ways that dysphoria can look. I wouldn't want to transition anyway, so it would be the point in making things harder for myself by coming out. Transitioning is not just a medical thing. No matter what excuses I had, I couldn't get the thought out of my head for years. But the truth is, I did not want to be non-binary. Not because of internalized transphobia. Okay, maybe a bit because of internalized transphobia, but mostly because being trans in a cis world, much like being neurodivergent in a neurotypical world, can kind of suck. But I started using all pronouns at college, and then just she, they, and then just they. I started going by my more gender-neutral nickname as my name. I shaved half my head into the stereotypical non-binary androgynous haircut. Not intentionally, it just ended up that way. And sophomore year of college, I got my first binder. In short, it's my gender story. I'm not going to justify my gender here. I'm not going to get into any two gender arguments. Over time, you'll probably get more answers as to why I identify this way, I'm sure. That's what you're looking for. But the short answer is it makes me happiest, and... That's what matters. Obviously, there's a ton more to me than my neurodivergence and gender. I'm studying for my master's right now. I love video games. I have a pet hognose snake named Sausage. But my gender and my neurodivergence are two massive parts of who I am. And they define me just as much as my major or my hobbies do. I started this for two main reasons. One, this is a niche I didn't see filled. There's a lot of stuff out there about non-binary people. There's a lot of stuff about ADHD. Okay, maybe I'm being a bit generous using lots for those two, but I didn't see anything about the intersection. I'm very open about my life experiences, being a chronic oversharer, and if I help even just one person understand something they didn't before with this podcast, I think that's a job well done. The other reason I started this is I'm a master's student, and being a master's student is not cheap. So, if you like what I have to offer, I have a Patreon and a Ko-fi. I'm the NDN Beyond Both. Please only donate if you have the funds to do so, but it would be incredibly helpful any amount, whether it's monthly on Patreon or once on Ko-fi. Our first goal is to get an actual mic so I sound less bad. This is a $20 gaming headset that I'm recording on, so it would be great to have a standalone. Currently, I'm aiming for monthly podcasts and posts. If I get enough donations and or have enough time to record, it might be more. We'll see. But in the meantime, thank you all so, so much for listening. I've been the NDMB, and I'll talk to you soon.